Hello, and welcome to Art Lives, a series of interviews with artists of all media. My name is Elizabeth de la Mater, and I am a musician, which means that I study, play, and teach music in many different places. Because every work of art is unique, and because our society enjoys art in many ways, every artist's life is unique. On this podcast, we will talk with artists one-on-one about their art, their lives, and how they navigate the world. This is the second of two episodes featuring Greg Dzinski, a saxophonist, composer, and educator based in Chicago. In this half, Greg speaks about journaling, self-doubt, John Coltrane, and the beauty of artistic connection. Here is the second half of my conversation with Greg Dzinski. So your practice journal is, for you, not revolutionary, but it's helped you a lot. It has. It, it's really helped me a lot. It continues to help me. J- journaling in general is something that helps me a lot. Um, I, you know, I, it, it kind of started as a way of, of documenting practice and keeping track of this type of stuff, but it's, it's evolved since then into just this, this way of co- coping sounds like such a negative word, but... This way of just helping to understand like life on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I, I I do it every day. I, I I actually have two. I've got one that I use specifically for practicing, and then I've just got one that is just sort of my my life journal. Nice. And um, I've I've played around. I've experimented. I've gone back and forth with like digital electronic based stuff. Right. And you know notebooks analog we'll call it analog stuff yeah um it's so hard to get away from digital stuff these days everything is everything's on your phone everything is you know your calendar's on your phone your your um address book is on your phone all that stuff that we used to carry around in a book is now i mean whether we choose to use it or not it's can be done with your phone right and I think the plurality of people in the world do it with their phone. That's that's where they that's where all that stuff lives for people. Um, but there's something that I found that is much more grounding about having a pen and paper journal, having having a book, an actual physical book that you write in. Yeah. And not, you know, type into on a on a phone in your hand or a tablet or, you know, whatever it is. I've been really interested to read what different writers have to say about this. Mm-hmm. Some have found that they really like to see their words in front of them on a screen. And then if they're, you know, getting to the point of editing, then they love to do the cut and paste and things. And it's really, it's really our generation that's dealing with this, isn't it? You know, because we, we kind of <laughs> came up on one side of that. Right. And then... We now live on the other side of that. That whole, that whole, uh, that whole thing tipped, you know, in a, in our lives, in you know, like yeah. our early adult lives. Everything tipped from analog to digital. Yeah, we're both. I think Gen X is what we. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were both supposed to be slackers. Right. And um, 
what else? Dr- druggies? Druggies, slackers, um, poor. Oh, well, yeah. that's, well, that's, 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 <laughs> we, at least we, we, we got that one right. Um, I think we're all supposed to like Winona Ryder. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did. I do. I do again. I don't know. I do know some baby boomer musicians who love having digital calendars. Mm -hmm. Some of the um, researchers were overjoyed when they could do field research with um, better technology. And myself, when I travel, that's been the case. But then again, uh, my digital recorders have failed um, and Ghana, I was using tape deck. Oh wow! So, yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it's funny. It's it's uh, for me. It's it's another thing I'm kind of having to untie. Yeah. With this, uh, you know, with the change I've gone through in the past year, from the 23 years I was in the service to now. Um, in 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 the in the Navy band, everything is you know. Your your schedule, your call sheets, your you know all that stuff is is in a, in a cloud, you <laughs> know that you just you know get zapped to you and say okay here's your you know like your tour schedules they go out you know electronically everything goes out electronically. Huh. It's not to say you can't get paper copies of it. You can, but that's like the default way of of communication sure. is all electronic. Sure. Calendars are maintained that way. Um, but you know, getting to a point where I don't have to be tied to that anymore—it's—it's it's really kind of refreshing to be able to just sit with a sit with a a notebook and just write things. Wow. Did you have by the time you retired? Did you have like this list of artistic things that you wanted to work on, or were you already doing? That? You mean like goals? Or yeah. Goal? Yeah. Projects. Um, I did. Uh, I mean. I don't think that's something that started, you know, in conjunction with my my retirement. I kind of always I've always had ideas about things I wanted to do yeah. someday, and it got to the point that I just got tired of waiting for someday, and I just <laughs> wanted to start. That's where the first record came from. Okay. Um, yeah, I just okay. This is an interesting idea, and I've been thinking about this all week. This has been my 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 shedding for this this interview. I've been thinking uh, about this. Okay. Um, the idea of being successful at something. Yeah. Right. I took a page out of my bullet journal a couple weeks ago, and I just started writing down like, okay, definitions of success. Right. You like with no real preconceived thought or anything and I just started enumerating these things that okay. in my mind I could use to define success. Yes. I'm not going to I'm not going to enumerate them for you now, but what became apparent really really quickly and was really kind of a sort of a world-stopping moment for me. Uh-huh. Every single one of them, every single definition of success was at its core dependent on someone else's approval. Oh. You know these, what I mean? Now, these, these were now, your like current week, definitions. Last week. Did that surprise you? Yes, it surprised me. It, you know, it shocked me. Because, I mean, I thought that I'd, I had, you know, gotten over that. I thought, I okay, I, you know, yeah. I, I thought I had sorted all that out. 
But when I started to think about, you know, okay, these are, you know, some ways that I define success. And I started thinking about, it's like, okay, that one is dependent on someone else's approval. That's dependent on someone else's approval. That's dependent on someone else's approval. That's dependent on someone else's permission, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, what am I doing? What, you know, what? So this, the, the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking about that a lot. And I've been thinking about what it is to be successful as a, as an artist. Yeah. And I think right now I just have to be comfortable with not knowing what that is for a while as I continue to sort this out. But mm. I mean, shouldn't it be enough to just make the piece well you know what what you know whatever we're talking about a, a a recording a painting a sculpture you know whatever shouldn't just the fact that we have documented that particular piece of our artistic life shouldn't that in itself be a success i have all kinds of shoulds in my head mm-hmm. but the thing is it's it's at least based on this this list that I enumerated, it's not. It's not enough to just make the record. You know, the record has to be reviewed favorably. You know, it has to get airplay. It has to the, all this other stuff has to happen. What was your definition of success when you were in high school? In high school, uh huh. Th- th- this is funny. Um, in high school, my definition of success was getting into music school. Yeah. I mean, that's as far as it went. It's like if I could, you know, if I could, if I could get past the the audition process for whatever school and get accepted into that school, I will have made it. Yeah. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Oh gosh. R- yes. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that changed relatively quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I just was so overjoyed to play. I just wanted a chance to play, kind of like you. I realized a year or so ago that I've been waiting for somebody to say, you did it. Mm -hmm. You are a player. It's for real. We're not going to kick you out. Right. (laughs) It's funny. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not that much older than I'm just a couple of years older than you, but I mean I'm I'm looking at fifty coming in a couple of years, and we're still dealing with that. We're still dealing with you know someone else's, someone else as the gatekeeper to the life that we want or the life that we you know, the life that we have really. Yeah, and I. I don't even think about this when I talk to my students because I believe they already have made it. They already are players. Mm-hmm. It's a complete disconnect from how I feel deep down about myself. Sure. I'm still waiting for somebody to find out, quote, the real truth. Right. And that's what I was talking about earlier with the idea of the other shoe dropping. Yeah. You know, it's like someone, you know, eventually someone's going to figure out that, oh, you know, he really sucks. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> this was a, we're sorry. This was a terrible mistake. <laughs> we're going to need your no. bachelor's degree back, please. <laughs> yeah. And you might as well just hand over that horn and right. Uh, so what? So now uh, you are just going to sit. You're just going to. Do you ha- do you have any strategy for figuring out this? Well, he, he, here here's what here's kind of where I'm where I'm at with it. Okay. You know, today at at two o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Um, every day that you wake up 
and work on your art is a successful day. Yeah. That's, that is the beginning and the end definition. If you work on your art today, you're a successful artist. Um, and, and not even, not even in terms of like finishing something, you know, it, right. it's just, okay. Did you, did you work on it today? If you did the work today, you're successful. And I think, you know, if we can get into, I keep saying we, but if I can get into a mindset of letting that be enough, yeah, it's going to remove a lot of this, you know, anxiety around, you know, am I too old? Have I missed the boat? Have, you know, it, you know, I, I have so much to catch up on, you know, whatever, whatever the, the anxiety of the day is. Um, if it, this seems to quiet that, you know, just nice. get up and do the work. Yep. Um, are you familiar with a writer, sort of a writer and a visual artist named Austin Kleon? How do you spell K L E O N, I think. Okay, I didn't know that's how you said it, but I think I've, yes. A little um, bit. His stuff has been really kind of eye-opening to me. I've been reading a little bit of his stuff lately, and it's uh, it's along these lines of cool. uh, of uh, what it is to to uh, to to work as an artist. And I forget the quote, but there, he quoted another artist who, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase it. It's not exact, but you know, amateurs wait for inspiration. Professionals just sit down and go to work. Yes, I know that quote. Right, yeah. right. What does inspire you? Oh, wow. Um, the idea of being better at the end of the day than I was when I began. And no, better. That's, that's a word I need to get away from. The idea of being further down the path at the end of the day than I was when I began is inspiring. Um, The idea of documenting something is incredibly inspiring mm. to the point that I'm less concerned with I'm less concerned with how others are going to see it, and I'm more concerned with just documenting the work. So now that doesn't seem like you're talking about an album well i mean it, it, it could, i guess in 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 my sense and in my particular you know realm it, yeah an, an album uh a piece of music that i'm writing at the moment um whatever just documenting whatever that is i've got notebooks and notebooks as i'm sure a lot of people do i've got notebooks full of unfinished ideas that i start as being some kind of a tune or a composition or whatever and have abandoned just okay that's you know I'm, i can't do anything with that that's 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 garbage whatever um i'm not allowing myself to do that anymore i'm a, i'm i will just i will sit and i will write and i will do something and i will do it without judgment you know it doesn't matter to me if it's good or not so for the point for you the point now is to complete it somehow 
yeah. like a melody, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why, uh, for you, why are you unhappy uh, with those uncompleted, incomplete melodies or ideas? Well, that's the thing. I, I can't even say on any kind of an objective level that I'm unhappy with them. Mm -hmm. It was just, this is, the, this is your inner voice. Okay. You know, um, at least this was my inner voice. Yeah. I would write two notes. Mm-hmm. I mean, no rhythmic frame, no harmonic frame, like an A and a C, huh. right? And my inner voice would say, no, that sucks. Oh. It's like, what's, it's an interval. What, you know, what sucks about it? <laughs> but it, that's, the way my, that's the way my brain would work. It would just completely, you know, sabotage me. Yeah. And I would abandon it and let it go or whatever. And now, you know, I'm kind of forcing myself to push through that and either ignore or reason with or whatever. Just not let that, that particular voice. I, you know the voice I'm talking about, right? right? Yeah. Right. Um, not let that particular voice, you know, I don't know, win. Is that the right word? Well, yeah. Yeah. Or, or uh, pre prevail or. There's a really good quote that I like that, uh, you know, it's from Stan Getz, who actually is not known for a lot of really deep quotes but this one is is really happening um so we don't make records to sell records we make records to document our work nice yeah and that you know that that kind of in like one one big swoop that takes a lot of those anxieties i was talking about a few minutes ago yeah kind of just wipes them clean because like the point is just to document it yeah it's not anything more than that yeah when you uh, announce um, on social media or to me that you have public shows coming up with certain people you're usually so excited about the other people that you're playing with it seems like you don't have the same anxieties um, yeah it it's it, it is true it that's true and I hope that doesn't come across as uh, as insincere when I when I say those kinds of things because no. I because I, I really am truly that excited to be playing with these people. Yeah, um, it, it's it's a it's a joy. It is an utter joy to do that kind of work, and it it does alleviate the anxiety a little bit, but at the same time there's a there's an element of it that that contributes to it because I still have. A lot of mental baggage about the whole, you know, good enough thing. Right. You know, okay, I'm, I'm going to be playing with these people. Am I really good enough to be playing with these people? Um, are my tunes really good enough to put in front of these people? So blah 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 blah, all that <laughs> garbage. So, so yeah, I mean, the anxieties are still there, but they're. Uh, so why do you do it? Why do I do? Why do? Why did you start doing this? music and uh, jazz and why do you do it now oh wow okay I started doing it I think I think I think the easiest I think the best word to use to describe it is curiosity you know I I, I was exposed to the music through my father's record collection 
Um, my dad's, you know, he's, he's not a musician, he's not a player, but he's a, a big um, supporter of the music. He loves the music, and he had a record collection as I was growing up that was just, you know, amazing. Are, are we okay? Are we oh, running? we're fine. Okay. We're fine. I'm sorry. Um, so as I, you know, as a kid, I would just, you know, sort of like go through this stuff and put it on the record player and, and, and listen to it. And I was, you know, I got I got the disease pretty quickly with it. Well, you know, I don't know what this is, but I want to try to, you know, figure figure this out. This is really fascinating. Cool. So it it started from 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 a curiosity from curiosity, and then as as I moved through, you know, like we all do, where we start in band and take private lessons in school band and high school and all that stuff, and then even into college, you know, um, I really began to feel that it was. Uh, I always get these two words confused, vocation and avocation. Right, yep, yeah. Which one means, you know, calling? I can't remember. Avocation. Avocation, yeah. Um, I, it, I, I began to feel that it was, it, was, it was an avocation, not to sound, you know, weirdly spiritual or anything about it, but, you know, there was something that I was called to with this music that I just, I have to do this. I have to do this. This is a, this is a way that I can express a lot of things that I'm not able to express otherwise. And I, I, you know, I have to do it. I have to figure this out. I have to continue to do it. Um, and why do I continue to do it? Why do I do it now? I think it's still that. I think it's still that I, I really feel that this is the, the single best way that I can contribute anything to the world is through doing this kind of work, doing um, playing music, trying to make art. Why the saxophone? It, it goes back, again, it goes back to my father's record collection. I heard a, uh, a couple of records from his, from his thing, from his collection at a young age of saxophone players. Mm -hmm. um, I think one was a Stanley Turrentine record and there were a couple of John Coltrane records that were just, you know, the lightning bolt was just bang right there. <laughs> it's like, okay, that, you know, that's what it is. And it was very specifically, you know, it's the tenor saxophone. It's, you know, that kind of sound, that kind of, that kind of approach to playing that, that was galvanized very, very early for me. It's the sound. It has nothing to do with the production of it, the breath, the nothing to do with that. I think all of that stuff came later. Yeah. You know, as as I began to you know, as I began to play the instrument, you know, all of the all of that stuff began to began to become clearer. But mm -hmm. as far as the 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 initial, you know, the the big bang moment, if you yeah. will, um, it came from hearing a John Coltrane record. And I mean, it, you could you could go find my old my old high school band director, and he'll he'll tell you this story. I was just an absolute terror. Like, you know, it's like I went in knowing it's like I want to play the tenor saxophone, and so I want to do, and this is why. And it's like, kid, shut up. Oh, that's great because yeah. you were were you like a lot of Midwest schools? Everybody was on the alto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was just like, ugh, not another one. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you think that ultimately you have you the same goal that you've always had uh, as far as what kind of musician or player you want to be, or has it changed? No, I don't think it's changed much. I mean, I think it's probably evolved a little bit, but if you 
like if you go to the center of it and go to the core of what it is, I think it's pretty much the same. Um, you know, the is it is it pronounced phrase into art? And, you know, the the reason for doing yeah, this. Yeah, right. It it's uh, you know, I can I can trace just about everything back to a couple of John Coltrane records and say this is you know this is what it is and this is this is what this is what I'm aspiring to. And that's what keeps you motivated. Yeah, um, there's there there are a couple particular records that um, I go back to all the time. Uh, when when I you know when I have questions about you know why am I doing this what you know what's the point uh, you know hard times when you're frustrated or you know when you just need to clear your mind or whatever yeah you know there's a couple of particular John Coltrane records I go back to that say okay that's why you do what you do. What are you working on right now? Right now, um, in fact, I just made the. Uh, Kind of made the decision for what you know the next year. I I I'm starting to work like in terms of like projects uh-huh. instead of just working on stuff. So I I find that for now in my life it's easier to kind of focus everything if I have a particular project that I'm working toward. Sure. And you know for the past several months I've been working a lot with a with a bass player and a drummer pretty consistently. Um, people that you know, um, Ashley and Chris. Uh huh. Um. We've been working together quite a bit, and the goal and the big project for this next year is to kind of, kind of formalize that relationship and document that relationship in a recording. So I'm going to be doing a lot of a lot of writing for that group, so we have new material, and sometime in 2019 that trio is going to record. Neat. Yeah. What validation do you get f- for from? or for your own art that you are creating? What validation, what, what do you mean by that? What, I'm gonna um, say validation. So you have this motivation mm-hmm. where you, you can always go back to that Coltrane tune or that record and say, this is why I do it. But what, do you get validated back yourself or what, what is the most important validation you get? Is it at the end of, uh, a gig when you play or, or a rehearsal or just um, at the end of a practice session uh, when you just feel like yeah that was that was nice or that, that's an interesting question um, practice sessions I almost purposely try to avoid mm-hmm. you know getting into an idea of, of validation I, I, I try to keep practicing very objective. As we were already talking about. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like right. it's it's like you, you don't feel particularly validated about brushing your teeth at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of the that's what I think about practicing. <laughs> but you know the you know performing and collaborating. I think the biggest validation I get from that is to finish. Uh, you know, whether it's a performance or a recording session or even just a rehearsal. You know, whatever it is. And to really know that there was honest and real communication happening mm-hmm. beyond just, okay, we're all playing the right notes in the right style in the right places to, to get beyond that. And to really, to really know, I mean, know in a very real sense that there was communication going on and there was stuff, it moved beyond 
three people or four people or six people or however many people it is in the same room playing a piece of music together to a single ensemble that was operating in, in, I don't know how to articulate it, that was operating together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the most validating thing for me is that when you, you finish, and it doesn't always happen, but when you finish whatever it is and you know, you don't have to think about, you don't have to question, well, was that, did we? Or you know, you walk off and say, yeah, that was, we were one mind. Cool. We were one mind. That's the most validating thing for me. And that's what you're seeking all the time. Yeah, I think if, if you know, if, if you have to, if, if I have to distill it into one broad thing, yeah. that is it. If, if you can make art collaboratively with other people in a way that you are all of the same mind, going the same direction, the same place, communicating in the moment. You know, and, and the, the, the place that it happens is almost unimportant because a lot of this music, you know, when we're talking specifically about jazz and we're talking specifically about um, small group jazz and creative improvised music, a lot of this music is presented in places that, you know, are not first and foremost designed to be performance venues. You know, it, it, a lot of it happens in bars. A lot of it happens in nightclubs. A mm -hmm. lot, You know, more and more there are, there are some good performance spaces, but a lot of it happens in places that primarily have another purpose. Yeah. Um, and I think that makes the art even more powerful. Oh. That, that it's happening in these places and that the, the creators of it, even with all of the other noise, for lack of a better word, that's uh -huh. going on around you, you're still creating this amazing stuff. Some of my students have experienced that for the first or second time, and, and they feel very disheartened. How do you mean? Uh, they say, well, people were talking the whole time. Mm -hmm. Or, well, it was also a bar or also a restaurant. But you're saying that's more powerful. I, I, it can be more powerful. And this, you know, I'm, I'm going to say something that a lot of people don't, don't always understand right away. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll qualify it by saying I'm talking specifically about when I'm playing like creative music. Yeah. Not, not, you know, when I'm doing art versus commerce. Okay. Um, I am, at least I try to be, almost unconcerned with the audience. I try not to let that enter my consciousness as far as, okay, is the audience, um, are they enjoying this? Are they, do they like it? Do they not like it? You know, whatever. Because what I found is when I let that, those kinds of questions enter my consciousness while I'm trying to, to perform, um, I'll either consciously or subconsciously change something. And that is not good. Well, it's... I, I don't know that it's not good, but it's it's it will often change the trajectory of whatever is being created. Sure. In in kind of a non organic way. Yeah. Um and what I've found is that when I'm when I'm successful in maintaining kind of that detachment from from uh from the audience, 
for whatever reason, it's more powerful for the audience. I, I, I've, I've had comments that bear that out. When I, feel, when I feel particularly good about a performance afterwards, and I feel like that that kind of detachment has been maintained, and we've had that kind of connection that I spoke about a few minutes ago, Yeah. the, the, the comments I'll get from people that were listening are incredibly positive. Hmm. Sure. Because it, it, it allows you to be completely focused on the moment and not, not trying to second guess, not trying to second guess the artistic impulse. Yes. I think that's the best way I can put it. Yeah. Nice. So you, you just talked about an author. Uh, you brought a book to this interview. Oh, this is something I was reading earlier. I brought it because I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> Oh, great. So I'm going to be able to pronounce this well, name? Well, I'm going I'm to give it to you and see if you okay. know how to pronounce that name. Um, you're the Eastern European. Oh, this is the national bestseller. This is Flo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had a hard time. I know that there are many people who are listening who can say his last name. Mm-hmm. It starts with a C and ends with a Y, and there's a lot of letters in between. But again, we'll find out, and I will put this in our post. Right, and this is not something that's new. I think a lot of people know this book. Yeah, but uh, I'm rereading it again. In fact, I just if if I can, I just want to. There's a couple things I just flagged in here. Please. A minute ago, Um, and I'm, I'm quoting from text right now. Uh, what I discovered was that happiness is not something that happens. It is not the result of good fortune or random chance. It is not something that money can buy or power command. It does not depend on outside events, but rather on, on, on how we interpret them. Happiness, in fact, is a condition that must be prepared for, cultivated, and defended privately by each person. People who learn to control inner experience will be able to determine the quality of their lives, which is as close as any of us can come to being happy. And then there's another, he quotes um, Viktor Frankl here, saying, saying, don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you're going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must ensue as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a course greater than oneself. Mm-hmm. That Viktor Frankl quote just knocks me on my back every time I read it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and, and it, that, that kind, I, th- I think that sums up like the way I'm trying to live my life right now. When uh-huh. I'm talking about success, when I'm talking about what does success mean right now, I think that quote kind of gets to it. Just, just do the work. Do it. Just do the work. Right. And um, don't worry about all the ephemeral stuff that we sometimes can worry about. Hmm. Neat. Thanks for bringing that in. Absolutely. I'll find out how to say his name. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. I, it, it sounds so completely silly to, to say that, but if 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 your listeners could see this name written out, C I C S I K S Z E N T M I H A L Y I. So. Well, you and I both have beautiful last names that people can't usually pronounce. And, you know, that's not the point of my life. So I don't mind when people mispronounce it. Um, Okay, so you've got that book. Do you have anything else that that I need to know about that you would like to share that in 
inspires you or has turned you on lately? Well, um, there, there are a couple things. Okay. Uh, um, I mentioned the John Coltrane records before. I'll go ahead and let you know which specific ones those are. There's one called Crescent, mm-hmm. and there's another one, and this one's gotten to the point that it's almost cliche, so many people talk about it, but it's called A Love Supreme. But both those, those two records um, are ones that I go to when, when I need a reminder of, of what, what, what it's really all about. Yeah. Um, and a couple of things that are new to me that I've, I've really just discovered in the past month or two that have just been knocking me out. And they're, they're not jazz, they're not you know classical music. Um, I think they could be best described as pop music, but, but they're just really, really good. Um, one is a singer named Natalie Prass, P-R-A-S-S. Okay. Um, she's got a couple of, of records out. She just released a new one. She's touring right now in support of that new record, and she came through Chicago about a week and a half ago when I went to her show, and it was just some of the most beautiful songwriting and lyrics and everything I've ever heard. Great. Really worth checking out. And the other one is, uh, I didn't realize this until just maybe a week ago, but I guess Paul Simon has a new record out. Yes. And I just listened to that for the first time the other day, and I'm just on the floor about it. It is just amazing. Have, have you heard the? Have you heard Simon? I've new heard one? a little yeah. bit. I don't have it, the whole thing. So now yeah. I will go get it. It is so good because it. There are no new songs on it. These are all you know. Yeah, older but songs. He, he, he. Sorry, to interrupt. No, the, but the, I think you were going to say probably the 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 treatment that he that he does mm-hmm. the songs with is just. Oh my God! I can't. I can't stop listening to it. It's really really good. Cool. Do you have anything else you want to share? This has been a lot of fun for me. I hope it's okay. something that's valuable for you, and I hope that it's something valuable for someone else. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elizabeth. You have been listening to the Art Lives podcast. I am so grateful to Greg Dzinski for his generosity. You can find Greg's work online at gregorydzinski.com, which is G-R-E-G-O-R-Y-D-U-D-Z-I-E-N-S-K-I. He is also on Bandcamp and Amazon. This album that we're hearing right now is La Luna, and this is Aleppo Sky. I posted links to Greg's site plus links to the music and books he mentioned, on the Art Lives page on my website, elizabethdelamater.com. By the way, the author Greg quoted was Mihai Cheek Sent Mihai. My deep gratitude to Bill Salick and special thanks to composer Nicholas Myers for the use of the opening music. Thank you so much for listening to Art Lives. Mm-hmm.